river. Good morning and welcome to School of Parenting with Rachel Tyrrell on River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley. School of Parenting is brought to you by Goyles of Maidenhead, specialist uniform, workwear and sportswear suppliers for over 50 years. And my guest this morning is the wonderful Debbie Walker. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. From Maidenhead Great Park. We're going to be hearing all about the beautiful 132 acres, which sadly is, uh, there's plans to develop that. If you're concerned about the green belt in the Royal Borough of Windsor and Maidenhead, about the wildlife and the trees and everything else that comes along with that development, then keep listening. If you've got any questions, you can email rachel at river.radio with questions for Debbie. Or you can send us a tweet or message on Instagram, Facebook, all at River Radio Live. Um, You can listen to us on your mobile through the River Radio apps. And you can ask Alexa to enable River Radio. Or you can listen on our website, river.radio. And now you can even listen in your car. So, Good morning, Debbie. It's great to have you back here. You've been on a couple of times before, not for a while. So I'm really interested to know what's been going on at Maidenhead Great Park. But first of all, can you just, can we just go back? I know there's lots been happening over the last six months, um, a year, but just go back a couple of years of how did it all begin, Maidenhead Great Park and your involvement and the campaigning and so on? Tell us about that. I think the um, the pandemic lockdowns was a game changer, really. The intention by the council to develop the golf course goes back as far as 2017, and it was in the draft borough local plan, and many local people opposed it um, and uh, worked really hard to explain why it wasn't a good idea to to develop that, that green lung. Um, but uh, in during the pandemic, of course, all the golf courses were closed, um, including Maidenhead Golf Course. And so local people really <coughs> had the chance for the first time to explore that space and understand what was there, um, just how important it is for wildlife and, and, the, and people in general as a space for local people. Um, and many people discovered that it was actually owned by the people of Maidenhead because it's owned by the council. Um, and they were quite surprised and um, lots of people began to sort of uh, talk to each other. We established a Facebook group. We've got now um, t- uh, 2,800 members. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was the kind of um, the, the changing point, really. And that's when Maidenhead Great Park Group established and um, began to to work hard to tell as many people as possible what's there and what we stand to lose. So this development then had been in, so it had been in the borough's plan. Um, I mean, how long had it been in the plan before all that sort of uh, more awareness came about? I mean, was it something that was quietly in the plan or why hadn't we heard about it before? It was in the plan since 2017 um, and the, there was a, a consultation that took place in 2018 and lots of local groups opposed the development of the golf course um, 
explaining that it's our green lung and it's publicly owned land and there's yeah about 40 percent of it is woodland so it's the last remaining yes. woodlands in maidenhead and i think i suppose lots of people local people understood it um at that time but not not the wider maidenhead mm. and um that's very much been what we've been trying to achieve is to explain to the wider maidenhead that this really is going to affect them as well as people that live close by because you mentioned during the pandemic and when the the golf course uh, the golf club was closed people could could obviously go on well they can go on there there are paths through there aren't there um but obviously when it was closed a lot more people had access to it didn't they and that was in that time where um you know, we appreciated the green space that we had because that day, especially in the first lockdown, that daily walk became, that was when we went out and, you know, you were looking into, oh, what's around and what's in the area and where can we go and walk? So obviously at that time, a lot more people would have discovered that they can actually walk on there and see the beauty of the golf course if if they'd never done that before. That's right. I think everyone really started to appreciate the green space around them and to explore. And so that's why so many people ended up exploring the golf course and understanding just how beautiful it is. And it's not just a golf course. It's it's woodland um, as well as the fairways. And of course, you can still walk across there now on the footpath. But um, to be able to explore the entire site was was for the first time for many local people. That was the chance. Mm, mm. So the Facebook group was set up to try and sort of generate a lot more awareness of that. And it's interesting you say about the wider community not being aware, because even, um, I mean, I'm on that Facebook group, and it does surprise me that even sort of even quite recently, there will be different posts or people have will come across it. And even though they live in Maidenhead or on the, you know, the outskirts of Maidenhead, are off are shocked that this is happening so there are pe- still people who who possibly aren't aware what is potentially going to happen to that green space isn't there that's right and we're really concerned about that um we did all arrange a mailing um of a newsletter to every sl6 postcode um and that was part of our efforts to trying to get to people who aren't on social media yeah. and still aren't aware of of what our council's planning to destroy um so and there's all sorts of other ways that we we want to get the message out there um it's it's very difficult um to kind of think that lots of people may not even know once the bulldozers are moving in and the trees are being chopped down and and how upset they're going to be um that they missed the chance to try and stop it yeah well I got that leaflet through my door so (laughs) that's great to hear So, um, and and you did say on one of your posts, they can be laminated, can't they, at the, is it the, the printers that printed them? I'm trying to think, well, remind us about that. That's right, yeah. And the printers. So you can stick them in your windows. Yes, yeah, we were trying to sort of, you know, get more life out of them and ask people to sort of put them up on their windows and fences so yeah. that more people might see them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, well, let's talk then for anybody listening who isn't actually aware of what is in the plan so let's let's chat about what is in the plan because I know certainly when I first um, spoke to you I was shocked that it was 132 acres first of all and two and a half thousand is it two and a half thousand homes that they're looking to develop 
Well, it's 2,600 homes on the golf course and the green belt land south of Harvest Hill Road. Right, which, okay. So the whole area is 2,600. Yes. On the golf course itself, it's 2,000. And I think that's really hard for people to understand just how massive that is. Mm. And in fact, in order to get that many homes on the space... The, the development is going to be high density. So at the clubhouse end, the station end, mm-hmm. we're looking at sort of seven-storey high flats in order to achieve the, the density that's required. Um, I can't uh, believe that. Yeah. So you, we're not even just talking two-storey homes here. It's There's going to be blocks then of flats yeah, to reach that number. Yeah, 140 properties or units per hectare. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's really hard to get your head around it. Yeah. And then the middle bit is slightly less dense, um, 80 per hectare. Um, so that's sort of going to be more multi-storey townhouse style, we think. Right. Um, and then the sort of the end that's towards Harvest Hill will be more like family homes, we think. Mm. But we ha- we we just see maps at the moment that show the densities. With the, there's no further detail at the moment, right. although the council have been consulting um, on their plans, and their new consultations about to begin at the beginning of July to show where they've got to with Southwest Maidenhead. Okay, okay. So, um, so with those, so with the plans to build to, to build that number that sheer number is there any um on those plans is there going to be any green space kept are they keeping little pockets of green space i mean they there's obviously a certain amount they have to don't they that number of people surely they're committing to um leave the cops rushington cops which is an area of ancient woodland Right. Um, and they're also committing to put a, they're calling it a green spine through the centre, but we're not really sure what they mean by that. Um, we think it's to do with um, active travel, so people walking and cycling through the site. Um, and they're also talking about a small band of green to be left at the bottom of the site where, as a buffer where Harvest Hill is. But they aren't committing to saving any of the other trees um so we estimate that there are around 10,000 mature trees on the golf course site and the majority of them as things stand look like they're going and that's one of the things that we're trying to push the council is to is to protect as much of the woodlands as possible um because it's really terrifying to think that they're going to be allowing someone to go in there and and cut all those trees down at a time when we face a climate crisis so just how are they being allowed well we know the whole the 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 whole process we'll talk a bit more about the process in a second but ten thousand trees when we are in a climate crisis and when the borough have also made this neutral carbon pledge but by the way, we're going to bulldoze ten thousand trees. You're, you're absolutely right. how, how's that been justified? It 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 doesn't stack up. I think they're relying on a lack of knowledge as to what's there, and we're yeah. going to be um, releasing some reports soon that we've done um, some ecology reports, so that um, we can show what's there. Um, 
there's a lot of greenwashing that's been going on and clever words are used for example at the planning meet at the um the council meeting where they approved the borough local plan which included approving the loss of the green belt of the golf course and allowing this development to go ahead um there was a lot of sort of statements about how you know you can redress the biodiversity on other sites and and in fact um the the environment act the new environment act says that these uh, developers have to deliver 10% biodiversity net gain so we're very confused and concerned about how on earth the developer will be able to deliver that net gain and the council so far have been saying that they're likely to have to buy some new land somewhere in order to deliver that gain which doesn't make any sense at all so because a 10% net gain when when 10,000 trees are being removed that sounds just absolutely impossible exactly it doesn't make any sense it's just okay, abs- absolutely crazy. So tell us about the these ecology reports then. So we've commissioned a, an ecologist um, to survey the land um, and one particularly looked at the ancient woodland of mm. Washington Copse. Um, we'd like to get that properly designated, although the council are saying that they'll leave it and they won't build on it. Um, we'd like them. We'd like to push them further and ask for a buffer zone around it because yeah. the animals and insects and birds that live in there aren't going to survive if the uh, development pushes right up against yeah. the edge yeah. of that copse. And that's yeah. what that's what it's looking like at the moment on on the sort of plans that we've seen so far. Okay. So um, and then we've also asked our ecologists to survey, do a general survey of the whole land, which includes counting the number of trees and um, explaining what sort of trees are there, what sort of animals are there, um, which protected species are under threat. Um, so sort of giving an overview. Um, the council and their developer will need to be doing further surveys um, they have underca- undertaken basic assessments as well, which we finally got access to through the Freedom of Information Act. Okay. Um, so it's very clear how important that land is for nature. Mm. Anyone mm. who reads those reports, it's very clear. Yeah. And also, bec- with those with those things that are actually in place, it's also confusing as to how they're going to potentially be able to do this and and develop that number by reaching those pledges or promises or you know whatever they are yeah I mean I suppose that then you start to question the whole system because if the council Mm. and their development development partner Callahome still think that they can do this and meet their targets and, and 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 obey the laws then I find it difficult to understand how how those two are compatible. Yes, um, yeah. but I, I guess you know they will be putting out more detail as time goes on, and in the meantime, we just we just want to keep explaining to local people what's there, yeah. and and ask them to 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 get involved. Yeah. So on the um, so on the ecology and 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 in terms of just share with us we you've told us about the 10,000 trees but in terms of the protected species and the wildlife because i think you're right we don't not everybody knows 
what is actually in there in the great park so we there's around a dozen protected species that are threatened by this development mm. um these include owls there are many types of bat mm. there um slow worms hedgehogs um there are kites and kestrels mm. um there are lots of woodland birds um and including woodpeckers and there are um many types of insect moths and butterflies and mm. all sorts of fungi there as well and mm. um, so it's it's a really important place it's, especially when it seems like almost daily there's a new study that comes out that mm. says how much nature is under threat in this country mm. and i'm not as there are still many people who don't understand i think that we're actually the most biodiverse depleted country in the world that's tragic isn't it yeah with the uh, knowledge that we have and all these reports and information that's shared that's right and 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 you know i think for i think children at school are learning about how important it is to protect biodiversity if if we are going to have a future and they're learning how climate change is going to put even more pressure on all these species so i think there was a recent study that said that 60% of um insects had declined uh in the last 20 years mm. um it was a study that looked at num they they used number plates and and splats on the number plates yeah. across yeah, yeah okay. and comparing the results um and so it's 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 information like that that really tells you that that our wildlife is really on the edge and and loss of habitat of course has been a massive um, yeah. part of that but now climate change is coming in and making it even harder yeah. putting all these creatures under even more stress well, I remember as a child, you would go on a car journey and and you would, I know it sounds a bit, but on the windscreen, wouldn't it? Whereas there just isn't that, is there? No. So I didn't, wow. Um, but, but also there's badger and deer, so some of the larger wildlife as well. Yeah, the, there are um, roe deer there and um, back, way back in time, Maidenhead Great Maidenhead Golf Course would have been part of Windsor Great Park. Mm. It would have been part of the royal ownership and royal forests, and um, so that's why the deer are there. I think they're just they've managed to sort of survive in that little pocket that's I mean, left. I was driving uh, driving back from somewhere today. It was probably um, coming up to nine o'clock in the morning. I stopped. It was outside of Maidenhead, so I wasn't in Maidenhead, but I think it's kind of representative of what is going on in the area. So I, there was a deer, a spa- baby deer. I don't know exactly what type of deer or anything, and it was and it was literally there at the edge of the road. I stopped. I put my hazards on. There was a truck coming in the opposite direction. It crossed over the road. It went on into the green space. Uh, and one it was amazing to see that happening at that time of the morning but two it was really sad to also at that time of the morning it's it's obviously you you know our wildlife is having to cross these roads to get to other areas of green space aren't they that's right that's right and and the more bits of green space that you take away yeah the less chance they've got yes yeah um and once the golf course is gone then those 
I, I, most of the wildlife that's there now will die. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And some of them may be able to find new homes. But, of course, the other issue is that we are losing other bits of green space. And mm. um, the latest um, announcement from the council about wanting to put, move the football ground um, from the centre of, of Maidenhead out into Braywick means yes. that we're going to lose another big chunk of Braywick. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's talk a bit more about that when we come back, Debbie. Let's just give you give you a little bit of a breather because there's not there's there's that area. There's obviously that development in itself in terms of the green space that that has already taken, and also let's chat about um, you know other the other impacts, the carbon emissions, the flooding. When we even had that, you know, not so long ago, it was an issue, wasn't it, in Maidenhead? So just some of those other things. Let's just have a listen to wonderful world we hope it does stay a wonderful world james morrison across the thames valley one more time across the thames valley this this is river radio well now for some pop music try this
Good morning and welcome back to School of Parenting with myself, Rachel Tyrrell, and my guest this morning is Debbie Walker from Maidenhead Great Park. Um, We've been chatting about Maidenhead Great Park this morning. If you've missed um, the first part of the show, we've been just chatting about about how it all began, um, how the campaign to save Maidenhead Great Park, which is 132 acres um, of wildlife and trees, uh, which is the Maidenhead Golf Course currently, which is going to be developed with 2,600 homes, which is just astounding. Um, but if you've missed anything at all, you can uh, listen back on river.radio or you can listen on podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. And School of Parenting is brought to you by Goyles of Maidenhead, specialist uniform workwear and sportswear suppliers for over 50 years. So, Debbie, we were chatting about... Um, well, the 10,000 trees that are going to be destroyed, um, the various ecology reports and surveys that, that your um, team have commissioned um, to, you know, talk about the species. So you said that there's, you know, a dozen protected species that are going to be basically endangered by this, you know, not to mention other animals that are going to lose their homes. Um, hopefully there's going to be a bit of, of a buffer around the edge of the Rushington Copse, is it, that you've said is ancient woodland that's going to be preserved. But you're trying to find out if you could, if there's more areas then that can be saved in this development that's going to happen. That's right. We'd really like to see all the woodland saved. Um, there's if anyone who's visited you, you can or if you look on google earth mm. um you can see there's lots of copses um and this is um that the, these are native species it's really important habitat for, for many species there are lots of oak trees there predominantly it's oak trees and they're all around 100 years old um so at some point they must have been planted um before the land was uh, sold to the council. So the land was owned by Lord Desborough. Um, it became a golf course 125 years ago. And then um, uh, it was sold to the council in 1953. Um, as as an, in the local paper, it says, as an action to preserve open space. So at that time, it was believed that it was the best thing to do was to pass it into the, into sort of the council's hands so that they would protect it keep it as an open space, um, and then um, it would always be there for the people of Maidenhead. Um, but unfortunately, our council now have decided that they no longer want it to be open space and that they're going to develop it. So, ironically, this land was gifted by Lord Desborough for oh, and to the people of Maidenhead, but as in then passed to the council because that was considered the best way to protect it then from, I imagine, private development and and individuals selling it on or, you know, dividing it up, that kind of thing. And now we're in this situation in 2022 when we are in a climate crisis that it's being built on. That's right. The the council actually bought it for probably quite a knockdown price. I think it was £23,000 in 1953. Um, So... Yes, and and that was why it was part, it was settled as part of Lord Desborough's um, estate. It was it was something that was sold um, after his death, 
um, but he very much wanted it to stay open space for the people of Maidenhead and the residents of Maidenhead absolutely he was a really keen sportsman and he really understood about the importance of of of, uh, recreation um, and parkland for for people and and their their well-being so talk us through then how has this well let's talk about the involved so there's the Maidenhead golf club that is on that land now um and and obviously there was a vote that happened my understanding is they were pretty much backed into a corner on that as in because obviously hopefully you know that there's there's lots of members of that golf club isn't there that they obviously wanted to preserve the area as well but were really not in a position to make that choice uh, the golf club were basically threatened with their lease being compulsory purchased. So mm. the council said that they would they would force them. So they basically said, take our deal um, and and leave, or uh, we'll force you out and you might not get anything. Yeah, okay. So they were pushed into it. Yeah, and then, so let's talk about the vote that, that happened with the council members. Tell us, tell us about that. So that was um, at the beginning of March. That was when the council um, d- sat together to approve their borough local plan, which they'd been working on for years. Um, and um, there were two sort of separate consultations, um, and lots of people had raised concerns about all manner of things, but the, probably the most contentious is the development of the golf course um, mm. and uh, they they sat they basically had that, that at that meeting they voted to adopt the borough local plan um, seventeen local councillors st- spoke up strongly against it um, but uh, there's a conservative majority in our council currently, so they were able to to win by every single conservative councillor voted to adopt it and there was a difference of how many how many votes was it It was very it was close wasn't it how many it was 21 to 17 because a couple of um councillors couldn't um vote um for various reasons and so two more would have voted against it um so it would have been 21 19 but right but yes and it was all conservative voters all the conservative and you've got yes go on all the Conservative councillors voted yeah. to adopt the plan. Yes, yeah. And you have that that breakdown for people who are interested to see is on your is on the website, isn't it? That's right, or, yeah. On one of your Yeah, we've got lots of information about what's happened over the years on our on our blog, on our mm. Maidenhead Great Park website. Mm. So really tragic and in your various posts that you've done and people who are getting involved in all of the campaigning have just just felt that they've been let down um, by the councillors and let down by this pledge that was made to protect the environment. And, and certainly I see it all the time about that, you know, will that vote, they will not get that vote again. That's right. I mean, it's not too late to take the golf course out of the borough local plan. Right. Um and in fact they have the the amount of houses that are going to be built in our borough during the course of the plan is more than is needed according to the council's estimate. So they're using 2012 figures to project 
how many houses we need. Because mm. um, so that was one of their justifications, wasn't it? This document that says that the housing was actually needed, which is not the case. Well, we, we, we're very concerned because we feel that a lot's changed since 2012. Mm. So we've obviously had Brexit, we've had mm. the pandemic, um, we now have the war in Ukraine, and we have a climate crisis. Mm. And we feel that, that by using figures from 2012 that project housing need to justify the destruction of our green space is, is wrong. And in fact, um, as part of the um, borough local plan inspection, so an independent planning inspector comes, uh, you know, looks at the plan. Mm. And she, in fact, pointed out to the council that 2018 projections on housing need would halve what we need in Maidenhead. Mm. So that would mean that it was completely unnecessary to to build on the golf course. Um, we, I think everybody's very aware of what's going on in our town centre and how many flats have already been built there. Mm. We've got the landing where you've got those towers coming up and there are various other town centre developments. So Maidenhead very much is taking the majority of the development that's um, planned for the for the borough across the plan, which goes 2013 to 2033. Um, and... The rest of the rest of the borough are sort of pretty much getting off scot free, and we're losing all our green space. Mm. Um, and they're not particularly attractive developments, are they? I know there's been a lot said about them. No, a lot of people aren't aren't keen on them, um, and 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 I think a lot are still for sale. And and a so lot sitting people, there empty. I think so, and I think a lot of people are questioning. You know, who's going to buy all these properties? Yeah. And they're very expensive, and there's there's a lack of social housing. Yeah. There's a lack of affordable housing. Yes, yeah. And so there's a lot of questions around and around what what's being planned. But but fundamentally, there's no need to build on the golf course in terms of delivering housing numbers. There's enough. There's enough. Maidenhead already. So talk to us. You mentioned earlier about the football club because that's one of, that's right in the heart of Maidenhead Town. Tell us what's the latest and what's happening with that. So the council published a notice in the local paper of their intention to release some of that um, mm. public green space. So it's green belt. Um, they've been able to do quite a bit of development there already in the last uh, five years. So obviously the, the new um, leisure centres there, the new forest school. Um, and now they want to move the football ground from mm. york road to braywick mm. um and then the football ground will become uh housing more housing yeah. next to a block that's already as you said there's still apartments for sale <laughs> in the block next to it almost opposite so uh, really sad and so that so the plan is to move that out to braywick so we're talking about obviously where the um the leisure center was already moved out there um, the humongous car park <laughs> that was built to accommodate that. So, so more and more concrete in that area than out of Braywick. That's right, yeah. I think the new football ground will go where the running track is at the moment, but it, all the sort of facilities will cross mm. all the way along. So we'll lose, a, we'll lose a big part of the green space there. Mm. 
And what other, so what other impacts, I know you've, again, you've got a fantastic blog, Debbie, um, on your site, but I mean, what other impacts are there going to be on this development? I mean, I mentioned earlier, I do have to drive out of Maidenhead in the mornings and I drive back in. Now, at the time of the morning that I drive back in, where people are potentially driving into Maidenhead for work, um, it is already a bottleneck at that junction of the M4 joining up with the eventually the 404 and the 308. And that's already a bottleneck. And that area there where the, the golf course is, is where this development's going to happen. So what is the future next five to ten years going to be like as a resident of Maidenhead? I think it's going to be awful. I mean, mm. we've got at least ten years of construction it's massive construction. Trying to imagine how what's required to build two thousand homes. Mm. It's 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 massive, and okay, it, it's likely to be phased. But even so, it's going to be huge. And I think people are already noticing um, how bad the air quality is in in Maidenhead Town mm. Centre with all the construction that's currently going on. Mm. Uh, we are we do live in an area of poor air quality, mm-hmm. but at the moment we've got our green lung in the form of Braywick and Maidenhead Golf Course, so that helps, and all the trees absorb particulate, so it does help. But once that's gone, it's going to be a sort of double whammy because not only will you have the loss of the green infrastructure, you're going to have more cars, more lorries, all those construction lorries mm-hmm. on our roads day after day year after year Mm. it's going to be awful and everyone wants to get their children to school on time and get to a hospital appointment on time Mm. everybody's going to be affected by this yeah yeah. Um, and I think um, I think people are going to feel really let down by by their by their local councillors that have allowed that are you know have allowed this to to happen and not to mention um, the also extra infrastructure that's going to be needed for when those houses are finally finished exactly managing the i mean how many extra cars are they suggesting with that many homes being built Uh, they they don't really give figures i don't think at the moment they the the there's a belief that because um of crossrail and the one end of the development will be very near the station Mm. that people will be more like Londoners and and not have cars, but that's that's suggesting Maidenhead isn't London, and no. I think that you know particularly when you're trying to get children to school mm. and getting to hospital, getting to hospitals and doctors, and people will still need to have a surrounding car. villages, surrounding areas. I mean, generally, I mean that's a that's naive, isn't it? Really, we're not. We're not. There's obviously loads and loads of people who I have a relative lives in London. She doesn't have a car. She doesn't need it. She is in London, but it's very different. Maidenhead isn't London, is it? No, and Crossrail doesn't sort of sort everything out for you. I mean, obviously, as we go forward, we need to have people doing more active travel and relying less on their cars. But Mm. I I think we've got a way to go, and I think there'll be many years of, of. of pain where we have all these all these extra cars on our road and of course it's going to be all the extra stress on our on other aspects of our infrastructure so water supply sewage um also absorbing rainfall and and we're you know as climate change continues to affect our weather patterns we're going to have more storms 
more heavy rainfall and and at the moment the golf course acts like a massive great big sponge yes yeah and whenever it rains it sort of soaks it all up and and as does other areas of green space yeah well you said it's um not too late for maidenhead golf golf course to be taken out of the plan so what exactly do you mean by that what i mean is is although it is in the borough local plan uh, the council could take it out they don't have to develop it. They mm. ha- they are they have they've got lots of places where they're developing so that in order to deliver their housing numbers they they don't need the golf course. Mm. Um, but because they own the land, they stand to gain financially by selling it mm. to the developer. Mm. And the council's in debt, so they want to try to address that issue and we know that with this with the um net zero pledge that's in place with the ten thousand trees that are going to be you know destroyed this that this isn't about homes it's about money isn't it that's right i think that's sadly the case um and it's sort of been um a get out of jail card free for the council ever since they came up with the idea that Mm. that that they could sell it and Mm. i think even from the very earliest days of it being mooted as an idea there was a lot of opposition but um they've i think the sort of council have managed to kind of hoodwink certainly all the conservative councillors that this is the right thing to do. And I think a lot of the Conservative councillors that voted for it have probably never even been there. They represent wards that are completely out of maidenhead, some of them. Mm. And they just um, believe in, in, the, in the, the sort of housing need argument. And that's how they've, they've, they've kind of agreed to it. But anyone who visits that site would think it's crazy. Mm. And it's sacrifice. also very blinkered to think that there are some councillors who who genuinely believe that to be the case. I mean, they must be just sticking their head in the sand here, mustn't they? If they really think that one those extra home, you've only got to drive. You don't even have to drive into Maidenhead. You just drive the outskirts of Maidenhead to see all the empty that there there is empty properties, empty offices, empty buildings, empty flats. Um, Let's um let's take a let's take a quick break Debbie and when we come back let's just talk about the campaigning efforts that you've been involved in um so far the different events and also what listeners can still do hopefully um to possibly prevent this and possibly take um the golf course out of the plan Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The Voice, River Radio of the Thames Valley. Life, Desiree. Oh, life, oh, life. I'm afraid of the dark, especially when I'm in a park. There's no one else around Ooh, I get the shivers I don't want to see a ghost It's a sight that I fear most I'd rather have a piece of toast Watch the evening news Life, oh life, oh life, oh life Just 
letters, I keep a rabbit's tail. I'll take you up on a dare, anytime, anywhere. Name the place, I'll be there. Bungee jumping, I don't care. My, oh my, oh my, oh life. Do, 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 life, oh life. Good morning and welcome back to School of Parenting with myself, Rachel Tyrrell. And my guest this morning is Debbie Walker from Maidenhead Great Park. And School of Parenting is brought to you by Goyles of Maidenhead, specialist uniform workwear and sportswear suppliers for over 50 years. So you can listen to us on your mobile through the River Radio app, ask Alexa to enable River Radio, listen to us on website river.radio and even in your car. If you you've missed any the first two parts of the show you can listen back on podcast wherever you listen to your podcast just search up river radio school of parenting so we've been uh chatting to the wonderful debbie walker from maidenhead great park um who's been campaigning to save the 132 acres of maidenhead golf course and club which is due to be or in the borough plan to be developed 2600 homes um, are to be developed on that area of land which at the moment has 10,000 trees um, wildlife um, just really really sad situation Debbie and you've been fighting for this um, for a while tell us some of the things that your group and your members of your group have have been doing I mean I remember um, going back a while when you had all the the children didn't you on the golf course and I know we were chatting about can you imagine getting some of those counsellors down onto the golf course 
and actually answer questions about the environment, the climate pledge, um, biodiversity from school children who we know as parents and families are learning this stuff every single day at school, aren't they? That's madness. That's right. It would be amazing to have all those councillors who voted to um, to build on our green space to 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 have to sit and answer questions from mm. school children because they would they would know exactly what to, questions to ask yeah. and quite frankly those councillors just wouldn't be able to answer them no. and they would probably probably try to use some of their greenwashing terms and the children would just look at them and say you're crazy you're lying <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd tell it like it is, wouldn't they? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so we've done a lot of um, events over the past few years and we've done a couple of um, events actually on the footpath of the of the golf course. Um, it's a public footpath um, and we've done um, two, two uh, protests there. And we've also done three protests outside the town hall um, asking, and th- those were in the run-up to the, the adoption of the borough local plan, but quite simply we were asking local councillors not to vote to adopt it. Um, and, you, you know, we we um, attracted quite a few people to those demonstrations, between three and 500 each time, even though it was the winter and the pandemic. And they got bigger each time, didn't they? They did, but I, it was still, you know, we wish that we could get... If we had thousands of people there, yeah. then maybe maybe our council would listen. Mm. Um, but it's um, we just keep trying and we tr- keep keep spreading the word and and asking people to to get involved. And um, we have got some plans for some more events coming up. We'll do another um, footpath event, and we're going to uh, ask people to bring their children along. We're going to have ecologists there explaining what what you know how important the site is. Um, we're looking to do that on the 2nd of September. Okay. Um, we've got an air quality petition out at the moment. Um, so that's really important. We need to get 1,500 signatures in order to get that debated at full council, which is another opportunity for us to ask questions of the council and explain to them how incompatible building on green space is with mm. with environment targets like air quality yes yeah where so let let's share now where can people go to um find those links so maidenheadgreatpark.co.uk is our website yeah and um there's a link to the petition the air pollution petition we're asking the council to properly monitor the um air pollution in our in our borough which at the moment there's very little monitoring so until they properly monitor it they can't really understand what what the problem is Mm. um but we are already maidenhead is already an air quality management zone which recognizes that there's there's already a problem there um and uh on our website there's a there's an email address so people can email us and you can ask to be on our e-newsletter and then we can keep in touch with you that way okay and also on Facebook, isn't it? People on, are on Facebook. Yeah, we have a Facebook group, um, Maidenhead Great Park. And um, I know the link to the petition is on there as well, because that's how I got to it. That's right, yeah, we, we'll keep putting it out there to remind people. I think we're about halfway. Okay. Um, but we need, we, need, um, we need to reach 1,500 by the beginning of September. And the thing is, I know you. If, if for people that are on Facebook and and you can follow what's going on, 
But there are developments that across the country are being stopped by this kind of campaigning. So it's not a, it, you know, this isn't um, pointless. You wouldn't be doing all this and your team if this was pointless. There are developments. I know you you post that information up when there's, you know, something like that has happened. But there are councils out there who are saying no to even planned developments, aren't there? That's right, yes. And in fact, our own council have just um, effectively done a U-turn on the Deerswood um, development. Um, it's um, that was a, a development um, by Calla Homes, and they put in a planning application, which our council approved. And then it was called in by the Secretary of State, um, and then the uh, Calla Homes have now withdrawn that okay. application. Um, and um, now the council are saying that they want to talk to local people about how best that land can be used for wildlife and people, okay. which is great. Mm. And that's and that's really important that we have more more access to green space in our town. But it's compared to the size of the golf course land, yeah. it's it's quite small. But it's re- every little council. It's really important place for nature, um, mm. and um, so it's really great news that 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 that's changed and and, and that will be kept as green space it's it's owned by the council the land there and at these protests that you had at town hall i mean what was lovely um to see i was able to get to one of them was was the the younger uh teenagers they were you know talking and they were just so articulate about what was what was about to happen or what was proposed to happen that's right yes we've got one of the members of our group phoebe she's um She's studying for A-levels at the moment and uh, she spoke at one of our meetings and she's so passionate and knowledgeable about the environment and what we need to do. So it's really important to have those young voices mm. and we welcome anyone who wants to join us um, to help to help sort of shout louder for the younger generation. And we're, it's, it's really the so main reason why most of us are involved in this campaign is because we can see how damaging this will be for future future mm. generations of, mm. of maidenhead and the green space is going to become ever more important and the ability to have that space to do with what they, our community needs to do with it mm. it's really important so whether it's a park whether it's a pl- only a place for nature and tree planting or water storage whatever its future is mm. it's it's for our future generations to decide and and it's not for the current generation to take it away from them so where is where's everything at now what's the next steps i know that you've said you you have some surveys that you've commissioned um there was obviously when we last spoke um you were encouraging people to obviously still write to their counselors what can people still do other than they can go on they can follow you on facebook if they're on facebook they can sign up to your e-news your email they can obviously come along because as you've said it it would be great if you can have thousands at your protests and your campaigning that you do what else can can the residents of Maidenhead or even beyond Maidenhead who who care about the environment do what's coming up I think joining our joining our group is really important um we have a um legal challenge at the moment which Maidenhead Great Park group have have um funded and promoted so there's a legal challenge against the borough local plan challenging the council and we're waiting to hear if um the judge will hear our case so 
it, we really like people to um, follow our our news, follow us on social media uh, to to sort of keep track of that and the events that we're planning. And yes, please come to our events. The more people that come, the better. Um, we absolutely need. We need thousands, not hundreds of people coming to our events. Do you have a date when that might, you might hear about that, the outcome of that? Uh, we, we're not sure. We hope maybe here in the next few weeks, whether okay. or not the judge will hear the case. Okay. And you're still um, for that. So I don't, I, and I did actually post that on the uh, River Radio uh, Facebook, the GoFundMe, because you're still raising funds for that, aren't you, your goal? That's right, yeah. So if if the judge does give the go-ahead, then we will need some more money to, to to pursue that legal case. So And you've said in that, even if you know, even if somebody could donate five pounds, if if so many more people can do that, then however many people have donated so far, it would really help. That's right, because we need to prove that the community is against this. Mm. And so the more people that join our campaign and contribute the stronger our case is that, that this is not what people want. And the thing is, this isn't, it's not just going, it, you know, it's going on in other areas. We sort of mentioned when we were, um, uh, just had um, a song there, that there's other, there's other areas as well, aren't there, in, in Maidenhead, and that are these developments. People are really getting cross that a green space is being taken. So it's really important, isn't it, to make a stand? That's right. I think Spencer's farm... There's um, the local community there are very, very against the plans to build 330 homes on green space there. And then there's another development in Cookham. Um, it's happening everywhere. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's really the focus on Maidenhead is, is, is quite um, worrying. Um, the fact that we are taking the vast majority of the development for the whole borough across this whole 20-year plan. And can I say surrounding areas, possibly where councillors are living, um, isn't isn't taking the same amount of development? Is that too controversial? <laughs> well, I think a lot of the Conservative councillors that voted to to destroy all this green space. I mean, we're losing hundreds of acres of green belt in Maidenhead. Mm. Um, they 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 don't necessarily live in Maidenhead, and certainly haven't visited some of these places that they voted to destroy. Um, and one of the arguments that we constantly face is that we're allegedly one of the greenest boroughs because we've got Windsor Great Park. Well, mm. that's great if you live in Windsor. Yeah. But if yeah. you live in Maidenhead, yeah. you've got to get in your car to drive there. Mm. And we're supposed to be not driving so much and, mm. and exploring our local green space. And, and I mean, I look at... The, the cross rail and the new Elizabeth line is amazing. And you see people coming out of the station and, and it, it, I just think it would be so fantastic if Maidenhead was on the map for a great park mm, mm. rather than on the map for just a, a sort of becoming a dormitory town, I suppose. Yes, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I, I think that our economy would be strengthened by a park and all those people that are going to be living and working in the in the flats in the town centre, they would benefit from a park. Absolutely. 
Debbie, we have run out of time. <laughs> so I know we could talk for ages on this. Thank you so much for coming in and updating all the listeners on what's happening in Maiden Great Park. Do go along to the Facebook and to the website, sign up to those e- emails and the newsletters and um, listen again to us on School of Parenting. 